I wanna preach to you tonight on a really simple topic, and I won't be before you long. I wanna talk to you out of John chapter number five. John chapter number five. I love First Wednesdays, don't you? I love First Wednesdays. John chapter number five, verse one. I'm gonna make this quick tonight, but after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been there a long time. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down in front of me and Jesus said to him, get up. Everybody say, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, verse 15. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Let me read that verse just one more time. The man went away and told the Jews that it was, that it was Jesus who had healed him. I believe God could do something in your life so significant, so powerful, that only he could get the credit for it. That sometime in your life, you'll be able to look back and say, I'm not sure how he did that. I just know that he did that. So give me some time. I want to preach to you. My topic tonight is three things to overcome. Three things to overcome. Father, we've had worship, we've magnified you, we've praised, we've had fun, we've gathered together. Now be with me as I break the word open, open our hearts to be receptive, our minds to be alert, and when we walk out of this place, let us know that you were here with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in this story we have a man who is crippled, the Bible says, for 38 years. It's easy to to walk past that rather quickly when you really process 38 years. That's a really long time. 13,870 days to be exact. And how many of you know you can struggle sometimes for a long, long time? You know, it's one thing to struggle for a day or it's another thing to struggle for a week. It's another thing to go through a bad month, but if you struggle in for years, struggling with situations, circumstances that make life difficult. And I know we see people coming to church and, and, and having fun and greeting each other and having coffee and relaxing and meeting one another and worshiping God, but the reality of it is we oftentimes don't know the difficulties they live with, what, what they're walking through the experiences they're in, the situation with their kids. We don't know the problem with their health. We, we don't know the situation 
at home or the problem with the bank. We, we don't know the disappointment and the heartache and the brokenness. Because some things can last a long time. But this nameless individual we don't know a whole lot about, I think in this passage kind of reveals a few things I think we could take home with tonight in just the next few moments together. As I think something we need to catch is that the Bible says that Jesus shows up and the Bible lets us know that Jesus saw him. Aren't you glad Jesus saw him? And you know, I feel like the Bible's so accurate that the Holy Spirit inspired the writer with such accuracy that the scripture didn't say that he saw Jesus. The scripture doesn't say that he saw Jesus. The scripture lets us know that Jesus saw him, which is good news for all of us, that when we go through seasons, when we can't sense him, I got good news, he can see you. We take great comfort in the fact that though the tears roll down our cheeks, the scripture says that he bottles every one of them tears, that he sees you right where you are, every sleepless night, every doubt, every concern, every weak prayer you've prayed, every heartache you've lived with, I've got good news for you. He sees you right now, right where you are. Mama may not see you, the doctor may not come see you, the lawyer may not come see you, but is there anybody thankful at 746, Jesus can see you. Verse five, verse five, let me take you to verse five. It said, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. This is our introduction to this man. Jesus sees him. We know that he is in this condition. But 10 verses later, we run into verse 15. Watch this. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. How did you get from verse five to verse 15. How do we jump from a man who has been incapacitated, handicapped for 38 years and in just 10 verses, he's now giving all the praise and glory to God for a supernatural miracle. And I think chapter five has some secrets for us to know, three things to overcome. Could there be three things that we need to overcome because we live in a verse five and maybe God has a verse 15 for you tonight. But he needs a few things to talk to you about this evening that's found in the word of God, three things to overcome in this story. Are you ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. Number one, our environments. Notice where he was. The text says that he was among the multitude of, of invalids. They were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed. In the Greek, it says that they would be feeble, sick, weak, diseased, limping, crippled, lame, shrunken, dry, and paralyzed. Could it be that the environments that we choose to entertain keep us in a place of limitation? the people we choose to hang out with, 
the unguarded conversations, the social media connection, who we spend our breaks with at work. Am I talking to anybody on a Wednesday that many of us can trace back, if we were honest, can trace back many of our greatest, let me say this, some of our poorest decisions have been traced back to poor environments. Who you have decided to hang around. You know the old saying that if show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Are you willing to walk in your potential? But in order to walk in that potential, are you willing to eliminate individuals, environments in your life? Everybody's praying for verse 15. Everybody's coming in wanting verse 15. I need to see a miracle in my marriage. I need to see a miracle in my mind. I need, to see, I need to grow in my faith. I want to be everything God called me to be. Can I tell you today, go home, do an, do an inventory on who you're with because they could be short-circuiting what God has for your life. Somebody say our environments. Uh, number two, here it is, our expectations. Expectations. Verse 6, Jesus walks in, sees the man, knows that he's been there a long time, and Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get healed? I think it's a little bit of a silly question, wouldn't you? If Jesus shows up and he asks you, do you want to get well? Why would Jesus ask him if he wanted to get well? Because not everybody wants. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in the right room tonight. Not everybody wants to get well. I once heard a story of a pastor who was praying for people to get healed. And when he was going down the line, praying for people to be healed, the story is that when he got to one individual, this individual said, I don't wanna be healed because it will mess up my financial situation. I wrote this down today. I'm not sure everybody would like it, but I sure did writing it down. It's gonna feel even better saying, some people don't want to be well because it inconveniences their irresponsibility. I'll say it again because it ain't on the screen. Some people don't want, because it feels good even saying it the second time, some people don't want to be well because it inconveniences their irresponsibility. Because if they're well, then they can't blame the system. Let me come on over here. You know, didn't you name in as loud as this group on over here? If we're well, then we can't keep blaming mama and daddy for our plights in life. If we're really well, we can't blame the government. We can't blame the pastor. We can't blame the people around us. Because when we're really well, we then are responsible. Because when you're well, 
then you're going to have to say you're sorry to somebody. And when you're really well, you're going to have to like, like send the text saying, hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. When you're well, you're going to be at church every week. But when you're not well, you can blame the preacher for preaching too long, the small group person for not texting you, this individual. But when you are well, the old songwriter says, it's well in my soul. If you're well in your soul, your life could be a wreck. But if you're well on the inside, come hell or high water, you're just stable, you got peace, you got good things going on. Am I helping you tonight? Some people don't want to get better, and Jesus is checking his expectations. What are you wanting from me? I've learned when I meet with people, and you've heard me tell you this, that I am not a counselor. I will meet with people, I will pray with people, I will give you verses. I will give you scriptures. We have great counselors in our church. We have uh, vibrant cares. We have other organizations that we link with. But you don't want me counseling you. Just telling you. It's not good. It's awful. God's in heaven like, what are you doing to my flock? (laughs) But when I sit with people, this is the question I ask. What do you want? If you just want me to listen, well, there's a time frame on that. Let's start there. Number two, do you really want to be well? I actually know of a pastor that will meet with nobody one-on-one unless they've come to church for six weeks straight. When 70% of people who go to church go to church once out of every seven Sundays, by the way. He looks at them and says, you have to come for six weeks straight because something I said in six weeks will apply to what you need. And all of a sudden, all the requests to meet with the pastor diminish (laughs) because not everybody wants to be well. I know I'm preaching tonight. I don't know who I'm talking to. What are you you wanting? Number one, uh, our environments. Number two, our expectations. Number three, our excuses. I'm going to take you, when you look at this story, you can't help but be amazed by what you see. John chapter 5 verse 7, look, the sick man replies to Jesus, sir, Jesus says, do you want to get well? Watch what he says. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another person steps down in front of me. So now in that culture, they believed that the water would stir. They believed that the first person in the water would be healed. And so what this, what's happening is, notice the two things he says. I have no one. Number two, another steps in front of me. Jesus didn't ask that. <laughs> he didn't even. He said, do you want to be well, and his response was, no one's gonna help me, no one's gonna assist me, no one's gonna, everyone else steps in, and then she said, and, and well, well, him and, you are in trouble when your answers become excuses. 
When I get started, someone else gets the starting quarterback position, so to speak. Someone else gets the promotion. Someone else got the husband. Someone else got the, someone else got noticed. In other words, my disadvantage, I feel what I'm about to say, my disadvantage in life is the fault of others. My plight in life is because of other people's advantages and it's too easy to blame other people for our lack of advancement. You all, okay, mm, mm, mm. bring them back out. Let's do this thing again. Y'all like that, didn't you? John Maxwell says it's easier to move from failure to success than from excuses to success. Listen, when your answer becomes an excuse, you are bound to your circumstance. When that is your immediate response, somebody else and this person, we make excuses because of the unwillingness to be brutally honest with ourselves. Am I really unteachable? Am I rude? Am I bitter? Am I mean? Am I... We, we have to be honest that maybe, in verse seven, the excuses we make, the stories we tell, the explanations we have. A counselor once told me that, a, that the danger in excuses, they start sounding like explanations. Our explanations, our stories, our reasoning, and hear me, I'm not discrediting painful experiences. I'm not, ex I'm not discrediting a fatherless home. I'm not discrediting painful moments. I'm not discrediting uh, uh, heartaches and pains of the past. I'm not discrediting them. But you have to understand that you and I are not defenseless against those things. That those things that come against us, that for people in the world, they have no hope. But for those of us in the kingdom of God, we are not like those, the scripture says, that shrink back and are destroyed. We have another system that we live by. We have another, we have another, we have another word that we decide to live by. Could it be the reason we don't see verse 15? Is because we're still stuck in verse seven? So verse five, we can all diagnose the problem. I'm stuck with bitterness. I'm stuck in this, this situation. I'm stuck, I'm hurting, I'm broken. Okay, let's talk about your environments or, or let's talk about your expectations, where are your expectations? Well, let's talk about your excuse. If you could overcome three of those, those three things, could it be that's the roadmap to verse 15? But we like breakthroughs, and we like someone to tap us on the head and say, thus saith God, everything's all better, abracadabra. And what I'm finding is that Christians, we love breakthroughs. 
We like miracles. We like sensationalism. And don't get me wrong, God is a God of miracles, but really what we mostly like are shortcuts. We want God to do something for us that only God will, that only God will wait for us to do. There are only some things that we can do. Man, y'all, it got quiet. You just, I just felt it going away. That's okay, because this is good for you, good for us. Jesus, I think, kind of wraps up this whole conversation. He just wraps up this whole conversation. The man has bad environments. The man has low expectations. The man has all kinds of excuses. And Jesus speaks up and doesn't even acknowledge what he said. Jesus looks at him and says, pick up your bed and walk. I think it's a perfect picture of what Jesus was trying to get him to do. Because a bed, you intend on staying. A bed, you intend on that's where the story ends. And Jesus tells him to pick up the bed, the thing that defines you, the thing that people know you by, the thing that you're known for, pick it up, it's time to move on. For too long you have lived in this environment, for too long you have settled with these excuses and expectations. Jesus wants to heal, but maybe he is waiting for you and I to pick up the bed to disrupt everything that we were bound by so that he can get us to verse 15 to, so that we can walk in a miracle from God. You know how many people you know how many of us really struggle with those three things? We want verse 15 so bad. We'll get in prayer lines. We'll stand in front of the building. We will call our prayer team. We, and we're all for it. But maybe God is waiting for you to do something. One of my favorite quotes is by John Wesley is that we'll work like it's all up to us and we'll pray like it's all up to him. We have to remember that there is a process that once you get in Christ, now you gotta get Christ out of you. And as you, when you give your life to Christ, there are still imperfections and shortcomings. You're living in a fallen world. You got brokenness and, and, and damage and stuff from your past and childhood. And as you're in Christ, we start walk picking up our bed, taking responsibility, stop blaming everybody, start taking responsibility for our attitudes and actions and, and, and say, okay, God, if you want me to verse 15, I know I'm in verse five and I will walk through verse six and verse seven and verse eight and verse nine. When you come to church tonight, some of you are working through verse seven and one of you is working through verse eight. But surely one day, surely at one moment, at some point in your life, you're gonna be at verse 15 and you're gonna look back 
back and say, it was Jesus. I don't know how he did it. All I did was stop making excuses. All I did was change my environment. I just started obeying him. Can I pray with you tonight? Three things to overcome. Your environments. Number two, our expectations. And number three, our excuses. With eyes closed all over the room. Pick up your bed and walk. You know, that man never got to that water. That man never got to that water because living water got to him first. I would hate to know that people leave here in verse five. We want to be a church of verse 15. That we know it was God. For some of you, you need to pick up the bed of the excuses you've given. For some of you, it's pick up the bed, start navigating environments, individuals, people who have a way of pulling you down. For others, it's your expectations. Can God do anything great with my life after everything I've done wrong and, and lower your expectations to a place that I'm not even sure I want to be well? If you'll do what only you can do, God will do what only he can do. If we'll do our part, God will do his part. Only he can make us walk, but only we can pick up the bed. And tonight, right where you are, somebody feels like the man at the pool of Bethesda tonight. You've struggled about it. You've cried over it. You, you've prayed. And tonight, God says, if you'll pick up the bed, I'll make you walk. If that's you, If that's you tonight, I believe God has freedom for you. Pastor, I've been fighting a long time. 38 years. 16 years. 21 years. Come on, pick up your bed and walk. This may be for just one person. But I want you to do me a favor. Right in that seat, if you're ready to say, God, I'm eliminating excuses from my life. I'm eliminating environments that are pulling me down. I'm eliminating poor expectations. If you're ready to pick up your bed and walk, I want you to show yourself and I want you right now, in a spirit of faith, 
in your seat to physically stand where you are and say, tonight, I pick up my bed and I walk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't sit down. Stay standing. Come on, put your hands together for I'm standing and walking. We're standing and walking tonight. The shame, some of you have been dealing with shame. Some of you have been dealing with heartache. I'm going to keep talking to you. I'll keep letting you stand. Because people in the room right now, some are dealing with condemnation. Some are dealing with heartache. And tonight, pick up your bed and walk. If you're one of the people that stood, we're so proud of you, number one. We're all, we're all in this together. Can we all stand with them all over the room? It takes faith to do that. If you're one of the people that stand, I'd love to pray with you. Just come on front. Pastor Tyson and the team is going to continue to sing. I'd love to pray with you. If you didn't stand, that's okay. You want to join us in the front? Pick up your bed and walk. Look at them already walking, church. Already making their way. Already moving by faith. Leaving the past behind. The seat you stepped out of isn't the seat you returned to. You are a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that discouragement that tries to come, and that pain that tries to settle on you, and that heartache that tries to pull you down, today, in the name of Jesus, we pray and decree and declare in the mighty name of Jesus, pick up your bed. He's about to make you walk. Come on, let's worship the Lord all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Father, you see every tear. You see every tear. You see every tear. You bottle every tear. He sees you tonight. He sees you. He sees you. I'm gonna see a victory. Yes, I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. Yes, I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Sing tonight, I'm gonna see a victory. Yes, I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Cause you take, Lord You take what the enemy meant for me And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for me And you turn it for good Turn it for good. Oh, oh, oh. 
Worship all over the room. I'm gonna see Jesus, 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 amazing church is so many of who's on this side are the next generation are the next generation 
Can you, uh, you know, people say about millennials, we were talking about this, that sometimes people can think, well, these are like Gen Z's, X, who knows? There's a bunch of letters now. But they can discount our generation, this generation, because of, they say they're lazy and they make excuses and they don't work hard. But we have a generation that is deciding that we're gonna pick up our bed and we're not gonna walk down the path of the culture. We're gonna be who God called us to be. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, stretch your hands forth to the next generation. Father, you see every one of them. You see every tear. You see every hand raised. You see everything. You see every family situation. You see their struggles. You see their, their heartache. God, help this generation. Set this generation on fire for you. Let them walk out verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8. Let them be a generation that gets to verse 15 that will look back and say, I couldn't have got through my sophomore year at college without Jesus. I, I couldn't have been who God called me to be without Jesus. Raise them up to be missionaries and senators. Raise them up to be business owners. Give them financial ideas. Let them be millionaires and finance the kingdom of God. Let people, let them lay hands on the sick. Let them recover. Let them build churches. Let them do great and mighty. Let them build great families. Let them see the move of God. Let them never run away from God. When they're in trouble, let them run to God in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, put your hands together. Give Tanaja, love it. Won't you do me a favor, you ready? You were bold enough to come down, I'm bold enough to make you do something. She's like, what are you gonna make me do? Get the offering bucket, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I want you to do me a favor. You ever seen when somebody's in the boxing ring and, and when, they're, when they're fighting, you know, sometimes you get knocked down and sometimes you get hit a little bit been hit a little bit, you're taking a few licks, but when you win, they go over to the person that won in the ring, and, and they got the loser on one side and the winner on the other, and when the winner wins, they go like this. I want you to do me a favor. The devil didn't want you to come to the front, but I dare you to put your fists up. Come on, church. Don't let her do it alone. There's a victor in you. There's strength in you. There's courage in you. Get around her, girls. There's power in you. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn it for the good. I prophesy life. I speak anointing. I pray breakthrough. Chains falling off. Past leaving behind. God told me to tell you. I feel in my spirit to tell you the best is yet. Come. Somebody 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you thankful for the presence of God tonight? If you're wondering what we're doing, we're letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm going to encourage you, uh, if you weren't here Sunday, we're teaching on the Holy Spirit. And this is just a supernatural, normal way without getting weird. If you heard Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit wants to move in the church today. And what we're seeing tonight is the freedom of the Holy Spirit without the bondage of religious activity and procedures and styles, just letting God do what God does, pure and amazing. And it's just good to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone just one more time. Give God a worship. Give God a praise. 